This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. That's it. There's a new member of the final four club, and they hail from Lubbock, Texas. Celebrating in the streets in Lubbock, because Texas Tech Monday night will be playing for the national championship. Welcome one, welcome all to the Tortillas and Takes podcast, powered by Guns Up Nation. You are on once again with your boy, I'll be sure, and it is basketball season. I've been saying this all week. And these, we're coming to the end of our previews, so because of that, we got to talk about the men's basketball team. That's right, the team that has got you all pumped up for the offseason, that has had your blood boiling for one reason, but so excited for the other. So because of that, I got to bring on my uh, last name mispronounced bros, <laughs> starting with Dylan Smythe. Uh, what's up, Dill? No E, just Smythe. No e. Get over it, people. Um I'm really happy to be on this podcast, not complaining about our football team. It's been a few months since we've been on this podcast, and we felt genuinely good about what we're going to talk about. So basketball's back, baby. Let's get it going. That's right. That's right. And the other guy whose last name is either spelled wrong or pronounced the way it shouldn't be, and that's Jeremy Gillen. And if you ever, and if you look up Jeremy's last name, you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. What's up, Jeremy? Uh, sounds easy, hard to pronounce, uh, but it is the most difficult thing about me, so that's all right. Love to be back here on the pod. Been a great week of talking basketball throughout the Big 12, women's basketball. Uh, Texas Tech is primed for a good year, or are they? That's why we're here to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like the mysteriousness of that. That's nice. Um, so... Texas Tech basketball has had a very wild and tumultuous offseason. We've documented it, starting off with the snake that's now at Austin, Chris Beard, leaving the program after taking the program to historic levels. But I don't want to take that away. He did take the program to historic levels, but he left us for our rival, and that cannot be forgiven. He's gone. Texas Tech decided to put together this grandiose search committee to find the guy, and then three days later just hired the guy in our backyards who was the guy they should have even thought about to begin with, and Mark Adams. Mark Adams has been hard at work from day one compiling this team, to, This team, right? After Chris Beard left us, 
a lot of players left, um, including Kyla Edwards, including uh, uh, just a bunch of bunch of key pieces to our team. Uh, so Mark Adams had to go to work, and in that he brought on a bunch of people. But first things first, he also put together a pretty interesting coaching staff, I guess is the best way to put it. So that coaching staff includes his assistant head coach in Barrett Peary, coming from a former head coach of Portland State, Corey Williams, who comes from Arkansas and was really one of their main recruiters out of Arkansas. Uh, we have Talvin Hester, who is just has a long list of schools that he's worked with, including Louisiana Tech, uh, Oral Roberts, Houston, all that jazz. And those are really the main coaches that we're going to see on the sideline with Mark Adams. And he's also bringing back another guy that's been on the, uh, the with the coaching staff for a while and Sean Sutton, right? Son, uh, four, past head coach with Oklahoma State, son of the legendary Eddie Sutton. So first things first, Dylan, what do you think about the coaching staff that Mark Adams has put together? You know, I think you put together some bona fide recruiters, first and foremost. Um, I think Peary's kind of almost an unknown at this point, but he, he wants to bring pace to this offense, and that's something that all Texas Tech fans should welcome. But if you look at, like, Corey Williams and Talvin Hester, those are bona fide recruiters. And you listen to some of the guys that that we've recruited either this year or be it next year, and, and they mentioned Corey Williams. So I don't know what you're laughing at over there, Albert, but I, I'm excited about this staff we have. No, no, I have a joke in my head. But go ahead, Jeremy. What do you what do you think about uh, what do you think about this coaching staff? I think that um, <clears throat> one of the most aggressive things that Mark Adams did in the wake of everything that happened was go out and get himself dudes like these guys. Um, like Dylan said, these are bona fide recruiters. I mean, we can talk about Corey Williams specifically. Um, first of all, the big tagline there is that Corey Williams was on that, uh, you know, Chicago Bulls team that won a championship. That's crazy. Um, but has done a lot for a lot of programs. Most recently, um, <laughs> most recently with Arkansas, Arkansas went from being a semi average basketball team to a very lethal basketball team in recent years. And Corey Williams is directly an influential piece of that because of his efforts on the recruiting trail. And what happened this year? Mark Adams saw us get beat by Arkansas and said, you know what? I need that guy on my <laughs> hey, team. <laughs> that guy right there. He's got it all figured out. Uh, right. And uh, and Corey Williams knows a great answer to what do you like about Lubbock? So he's already passed the first test. <laughs> he's passed it. He's passed yeah. the first test. That's why he's still here. Exactly. Exactly. So. <laughs> Uh, no, I absolutely agree. I think this this coaching staff is is really well versed and really really honestly, it's really diverse. And I, I mean, when it comes to diverse minds, you have like you said, Calvin Hester, who kind of brings that professional experience and that playing experience to it. You have Corey Williams that knows what it's like to not to one recruit in Texas. Arkansas recruits in Texas in almost all every sport, so he knows how to recruit in Texas. He knows how to recruit in Arkansas. He knows how to recruit in that area, and he knows how to be in, in players' homes and talk to them. Talk to them, talk to the parents, know what to do. Barrett Peary, he, I mean, he knows, he's the associate head coach for a reason because he knows how to lead young men. And you kind of talked a little bit about the pace that he's going to be bringing. We we know the no middle madness, the no middle defense that Mark Adams is employing. That's going to continue. But Barrett Peary's offense, he's going to be the offense mind. We're not going to see the the motion, the, the boring, ridiculous motion offense we've seen for the last couple of years. We're going to see something that's a little bit more up pace, and I'm really excited for it. I mean, too many times, you know, in the crispier days, you saw us fail to drop a play when we had time to drop some play on offense. You saw us 
fail to get offense going in key moments. So I think if Barrett Peary and, and Mark Adams can erase some of that in the past and keep what we had going, I mean, this team has a chance to be really special. Really special. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, obviously Texas Tech known for that archetype of the no-middle defense that just has created hellacious games for a lot of opponents. Uh, one that just pops up in recent memory was our game against uh, Michigan in the NCAA tournament. Michigan, very hot coming to that game. Boy, it was hard for them to get points on the board. Um, honestly, one of my favorite games to watch outside of the Michigan State game, uh, and then, of course, the rest of them. But uh, like you said... Mark Adams identified a lot of key areas of growth in his transition to head coach. We talked about, you know, getting on the recruiting trail, um, filling the gaps there, but also bringing in Peary, who was going to set, I think, Texas Tech up for a really exciting season because what he's what we're doing, what we're seeing happen is Adams has said, I can continue the grit and culture of this defensive performance that we're putting on. I need somebody. I think there's a vulnerability aspect for Adams to say, I need somebody to come in and make us an offensive, like a respectable offensive team. One that, you know, can because like not, not slow down at the end of the end of the court, not waste possessions, but capitalize on the skills that your players have. And like you said, Albie, uh, Barrett Perry has proved nothing that uh, nothing except that he is a really good players coach. And so with the offense that he was running with the relationship that he has with his players and continues to have with his love for Lubbock and Texas tech, I think this is a really just as a, as a coaching staff, this is a really exciting coaching staff. And I feel really uh, like we're gifted to have them. So with that being said, let's talk about the roster, shall we? So first things first, the guys that stayed, the guys that stayed. So that starts off, with the guy that's already put his name out there as the leader of this team, Kevin McCuller. Uh, there's no doubt he is. he's already got NIL deals out the wazoo. I mean, Raising Kane sponsored his little show to start off with. He's he's going to definitely be a, a big figure piece. Also, we got Marcus Santos Silva, who was our starting center last year. He's back. Uh, uh, my boy, Clarence Nadalny, that uh, obviously Dylan has some feelings about. Whatever. Uh <laughs> And uh, uh, Chabuzo Agbo, who we've kind of, we saw him. He actually got a chance this offseason to play or or to be on scout team for the Nigerian national team. And so those are the four guys that have stayed. Oh, and some dude named Terrence Shannon. And, (laughs) oh, what? I didn't, I didn't. The pro. No, I didn't, I don't, I don't. Because you thought he went to the NBA. Oh, that's right. He came, he came back. That's right. Oh, that's right. So we dealt, so those five guys did come back this year. Um, and so before we even go forward, what do you think about those guys' commitment to this this uh, program and then coming back after the tumultuous offseason we've had? Well, I think uh, Kevin McCuller was the piece that held everything together. Like, I think people like to say hiring Mark Adams was what kept some of this core together. I think it was Kevin McCuller. I mean, the second Mark Adams was hired, he, he jumped right back out of the portal and back into this team. And he's been this team's biggest recruiter this offseason. I, I think just as much as some of the coaches uh, Kevin McCuller has coerced some of these guys to come play in Lubbock. So I think it all starts with him. And then to have a NFL or NFL, who knows, maybe he could play in the NFL, but an NBA t- caliber talent in uh, Terrence Shannon coming back is obviously a, uh, a big step for this team. Yeah. I, um, Terrence Shannon, we, we actually got on a team on a, on a uh, Twitter spaces once Terrence Shannon 
recommitted. That's how big it was have Terrence Shannon come back. Uh, we we talked about it, and I think it was um, I, I don't I don't remember who exactly said it, but uh, that Terrence Shannon coming back was the biggest recruiting win Mark Adams had all offseason. It, it was huge. It was huge. He's going to be the guy last year, and I've I've been on Terrence Shannon's boat for quite a while now. Last year, I, I thought he was sometimes a little bit timid. I, thought, I really want him to take that next step. If he takes the step that I was hoping he took last year, this year this team becomes that much more dangerous. Hell, even if he doesn't, he was one of the best defensive players. In my opinion, one of the best defensive players in the country. One of the most athletic players in the conference. He is definitely the most talented player on this team, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, we talk about... Was that the first Twitter spaces we did? It was. We might have some more. Make sure to go on... Check us out when we're on the Twitter spaces. Whether we're just listening or talking, it's always a good time. Yeah. Um, The two key pieces for this team come in different ways, I think, because we talk about Terrence Shannon. Terrence Shannon was like the big ticket item, right? That he came back. He decided not to go to the draft. He comes back. Mark Adams has this huge success um, in that arena. McCuller, on the other hand, is uh, like this big culture player that, I mean, he has the reputation of toughness, right? Given his frame, he's really elite for his size. When it comes to the amount of defensive rebounding, steals, and blocks that he gets, like averaging, uh, especially last season, an elite player uh, for this Mark Adams defensive style. So like two, but TJ Shannon, on the other hand, like a, a defensive player, but has that breakout ability and that ability to finish at the rim that it's like they're almost... It's almost two sides of the same coin where McCuller is really kind of this defensive culture that's going to like help a lot of these new guys into that into that mindset. Whereas TJ Shannon, I think, is kind of the spark plug that's going to really kind of our hope is ignite this new Peary style of offense of like transitional offense and hopefully put up a lot of points a game in the way that we were expecting him to do so in, in the last season. So after those pieces decided to come back and or stay for the program. We started seeing what was, in my opinion, a, a, a quite a rise when it came to the transfer market, right? Uh, starting with the big win at the time, KJ Allen from from Last Chance University, uh, from East Los Angeles College, was the best player on that on that JUCO, one of the best players in JUCO in general. Um, him was signing originally on to committed Texas. to USC, and, oh. and we swiped them away. It's another great point. And so we're ecstatic. Like, this is, oh, man, he's going to be a star next year. And then you get a guy like Adonis Arms. He commits. And we are I've kind of already talked about him and how good a defender he is. Uh, also friend of the pod. Uh, we ended up getting guys like Malik Wilson and, and Sadar Calhoun and and Davion Warren. You know, and it just kept rising. Right? Daniel Bacho kept rising and rising and rising. And then we get a guy like Bryson Williams from UTEP. Huge win because he picked a, a Tech over Texas. You know who is obviously our rival, but also his head coach went to, is, is one of the assistant coaches at Texas. Basically, spurred not only Chris Beard but also his previous head coach to come play for Mark Adams, and then a guy that was also in the NBA draft combine in the NBA draft process with Terrence Shannon, Kevin O'Banner commits to Texas Tech. Another huge, so it kept just rising through, and all of a sudden you go from a team that you're like, ah oh, man, I just don't know how they're going to be able to do with all this to a team that is low-key stacked. What do you think about all these newcomers, Jeremy? Like you said, low-key stacked. 
I think I think it feels like Mark Adams just really bet on himself when he got into the head coaching position. He said, you know what? I know the guys that I want to get. I'm going to go and get them. And some of the stories of these characters that have come out, like uh, Kevin O'Banner, Bryson Williams, uh, even uh, Daniel Bacho leaving Arizona. Uh, I mean, there's some of the. The, the, the stories that they bring to come to Texas Tech are all so unique and yet so impressive from like a, why did you pick Texas Tech? And it all points towards one man, and that's Mark Adams and the people that he's set up around himself. And so with the players that we have, I don't feel like Mark Adams is the biggest impediment to success this year. I think it's the collection of players that we have, because this could either be a really surprising season for a lot of people or... This could be a season where people have a hard time connecting with each other and it just never really gets together. And maybe we are the first out in the tournament, you know, like there's a lot of like there's a very large uh, scale here of how good Texas Tech could be, which is scary, but also kind of exciting because we could be really good. Look, Look at us. Look at us. Jeremy's Look over here us. saying that, like, oh, man, we could be a first out in the tournament. What a disappointment. <laughs> Stop. Why are you focusing on that? <laughs> oh, man, we've come a long way. We've come a long way. Dylan, what do you think about these new guys? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned kind of the order in which they came in. And, and every single guy, as soon as they transferred, we were like, okay, this guy could be an instant impact starter. And then the next one joins the team. Okay, this could be an instant impact starter. And then we get all the way to Bryce Williams, and it's like, okay, well, is KJ Allen even going to start anymore? You know, a month ago, he was like the bona fide, one of the better players on our team and a guaranteed starter. And so the depth of this team is where this team is deeper than we've had in any of the Chris Beard teams. This is the deepest Texas Tech team I can think of in recent memory. Um Especially, especially when it comes to the big boys, you know, Texas Tech, when it comes to big men, we've kind of struggled. But to have this luxury of Bryson Williams, Marcus Santos, Silver, Silva, uh, Kevin O'Banner, KJ Allen. I mean, those are four guys, not to mention Daniel Bacho, four guys that could easily start on this team. So the depth is what impresses me the most with this group. So we've we've mentioned a lot of names. We've kind of talked about all these guys, but let's who actually starts. You kind of talked about it. The fact that with these big men, a guy like KJ Allen may not even start. Who does start in that aspect? Who do you see getting when the ball is tipped November 9th? Who gets who's on the court? Uh, Dylan, you can go first. Man, I, I, I honestly, it's, this is so hard to tell. I, I think that we're not going to know the actual starting lineup here for a long time. But, you know, if I had to bet on it, I'm all in on Kevin McCuller playing the point. That's his natural position. That's what he played in high school. He grew into this forward position. They asked him to play it. And Kevin McCuller being the team player he is, he's like, I'll play whatever you want. I'll guard whoever you want me to. Kevin McCuller at the point, I think, is going to be really fun to watch. I think you fill that in with... Uh, Terrence Shannon, I think uh, Kevin O'Banner, Bryson Williams, Marcus Santos Silva. Uh, that's it's a big lineup. It's a big lineup, but I think with that lineup, you can switch every single guy on the floor, and that's that's you know that's Mark Adams' dream, right? Is your five can guard a one, and your one can guard a five, and it doesn't matter. So, gun to my head, that's the lineup I, I think is going to start. But I think there are some other lineup combinations that are juicy. Jeremy, what do you think? You agree? That is legitimately. I'm looking at it. That's legitimately what I have. I am one. My my sure. question mark. Sure, it is, Jamie. Is how convenient? Is where is 
is where is Malik Wilson in this? Because I think about, you know, he really took a lead role last season at Louisiana. He really was a good finisher at the rim and a disruptive defender. Like that is a Mark Adams character through and through um, with a flavor of uh, Barrett Peary. So like the question is, and they've been doing some of these scrimmages and people's names keep popping up, keep popping up uh, like, oh, they're playing really well. Oh, this person played really well. Um, the reality is that there's not going to like the starting lineup lineup is bogus for pretty much the non-con. Like for me, I think they're going to run a lot because there's a lot of different characters here. There's a lot of different skill sets. There's a lot of different, uh, there's a lot of different things happening. Um, I love Dylan's lineup just because it's easy. It's safe. I think you put a lot of your veterans in or people that have experienced Mark Adams as a head coach and have experienced his Texas tech team in the gauntlet of the big 12. Um, and then kind of flowing it, uh, throwing in a little more flavors there, especially in like Kevin O'Banner and Bryson Williams, just with their elite scoring abilities uh, and the ability to get up and down the court. But what we start with is not 100% not going to be what we end with when Big 12 comes, for sure. I think probably the, the biggest answer that's going to affect the, the starting five for this team is how, how does Kevin McCuller run the true point? And, and if, he's, if it's not working out, then that's where Malik Wilson comes in because he's the only true point on the team. So I think uh, it hinges uh, 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 on how Kevin not- McCuller... He is not true the only point. two point on the team. Clarence Nadalny is a fantastic point guard. Don't oh, I swear, Dylan? I said it pre pod. I have nothing against Clarence Nadalny. I just think you know you've got to be six five to ride this ride if you're on Texas Tech's team. So, ah, <laughs> uh, this guy's the worst. Dylan's the worst. Okay. You, uh, you know what I'm saying? It's it's a. Uh... I'm not a height discriminator. Mark Adams is, if anybody. Um. You know, I mean, look at six, 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 six. You know, you go down the roster. <laughs> I tell you. So I'll, I'll say this: after giving Jeremy a bunch of a bunch of crap for his starting lineup, I'm going to say the same thing. Um, it's it's well, no, it's mostly because you know I'm going off of the scrimmages, right? So Texas Tech has had two quote unquote not so secret scrimmages, um, and some of the biggest scores that we've seen from those scrimmages, we've seen Kevin O'Banner put up big points against Wichita State. Uh, we've seen Kevin McCullough put up big points against New Mexico State. Uh, it seems like Bryson Williams played quite a bit. That starting lineup makes a lot of sense, right? Of uh, Kevin McCullough, uh, Kevin McCullough, Kevin O'Banner, uh, Bryson Williams, Marcus Santos Silva, and Terrence Shannon. That's the starting line. That is, a, that is, I agree with you, a very big starting lineup. The only problem I have with it is it makes me question: Does Marco San, Marcus Santos Silva start? And in my head, I don't see how he doesn't. He was a starter last year. You have to, I think, you reward loyalty. I also think he he's the best rebounder on the team. And I know some people will say, well, what about O'Banner? What about Williams? No, Santos Silva, in my opinion, is still the best rebounder on the team, the best low post defender on the team, especially against big guys. However, when you want to go up and down the court, he's not going to be your best <laughs> uh, asset. And so that's where I think a guy like a, a, uh, a Malik Wilson, but I was, actually, I was also thinking about a uh, uh, a guy like Sadar Calhoun comes in, a great perimeter defender. A really, he's also a pretty good ball handler and can handle some point guard duties, even though he's not used to doing that in his previous life. But a really good shooter, right? Right now in the starting lineup, we talked about the best three point shooter is probably Kevin O'Banner, which isn't you know having a, one of your big guys as your best three point shooter isn't the best. I would like to have a guy. I, I love Sadar Calhoun because he man, he just you, you get him open, he's going to knock it down. And having that guy out there consistently, that is a consistent knockdown guy, 
is absolutely fantastic. So if we don't see Marcus Santos Silva or Bryson Williams starting, I think Sadar Calhoun is a guy that gets that nod. Here's the thing. I, I could see a world where as we progress through the season, Marcus Santos Silva doesn't start. And he only starts if the team has a dangerous big that we have to worry about. But I could totally see a world where it's Malik Wilson, Kevin McCuller, Terrence Shannon, O'Banner, and Bryson Williams. Because the floor spacing with that lineup yeah. is is sexy. It is. It is. I will also <laughs> say this. Bryson Williams, I could easily see him as a six-man too. He's instant offense. Right, we kind of talked about it whenever he was first committed. How him and Santos Silva are kind of exact opposites, right? Bryson Williams sometimes can struggle on the defensive end of the ball and kind of get bullied a little bit down low, to where Santos Silva is a brick wall. But offensively, sometimes there's a little bit to be desired, right? So it could be easy to be a situation where Santos Silva starts and then gets pulled at the five minute mark for Bryson Williams, who's instant offense. So I could easily see that situation happening too. And you kind of brought up Malik Wilson. I brought up Sadar Sadar Calhoun. Also, two guys that got easy see going in and out and having that that problem quote-unquote is amazing right where you say we're going to take in our take out our starting five or our starting two or whatever and not drop an ounce in production is fantastic uh i cannot complain about it whatsoever so with that being said we kind of already went to what could be the starting seven right the top seven and pre-pod we were talking about how this team could go easily 10 deep 11 deep and in my opinion, they're going to have to go 10, 11 deep because of the way our offense is going to be run. Barrett Peary likes going up and down the court. Mark Adams wants a team that goes up and down the court. Where do we see after the seven guys we've just mentioned, right? Which is that seven guy, those seven guys being O'Banner, uh, Calhoun, Malik Warren, Terrence Shannon, Bryson Williams, Marcus Santos Silva, Kevin McCullough. What's next? What does the rotation look like? Who fills it out? Uh, Jeremy, who you got? What are you asking me here, man? Why, why, what are you asking me here? Who fills out the rest of the rotation? I don't know, man. I don't, I don't feel confident stating people now as if like it's going to be Jeremy. Every, there is so much danger. I'll tell you who I am not confident in rotating in is Daniel Bacho. (laughs) That's my confidence. I'm not sure, bro. Anytime I get excited about a big man, he just never comes through. Let me tell you something, Jeremy. Multiple times. People work from eight to five, they work, they work hard. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they make their money. They're out there working on the railroad. They, they sit down. They pour their keystone. Yeah, they pour their keystone, sit, yeah, sit down, pop <laughs> open Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Podbean, whatever, and say, you know what? I want to listen to tortillas and takes for their analysis. And they have to listen to you say, I don't know. That's not what people signed up for. Dylan, can you give them something that, that, uh, worth listening to? Uh, well, so I said this pre-pod. I think Daniel Bacho and Clarence Nadolny, those are the two guys you don't see in the rotation. Oh, and I know you're going to crucify me for this. What do they have in common? Hey, hey, <laughs> and let me say, I love me some Clarence Nadolny. I think he's a great player. Oh, you hate Clarence the French. Nadolny, you hate the I French. love him. No, oh, they're French. Even better. Um, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I, I think they're both going to be great guys on the team next year. Um, I just, I just, I, we're so deep. If you had to ask me who's not going to play, that would be my answer. I, I think in, in some capacity, Adonis Arms and Chabuzo Agbo are going to be buried on the bench, which is a bummer because Chabuzo Agbo is my guy. I want to see him as much as humanly possible. But you look at the additions of KJ Allen and Davion Warren and Adonis Arms, and you, you, you've got to look at people like Nadoni and Bacho and say, okay, where are these guys going to fit in? As much as I would love to see them, I just, you know, you, you've got to draw the line somewhere. And, and I think you could see 
nine guys play serious minutes for Texas Tech when we're deep in our rotations during conference play. Well, and here's the thing with Adonis Arms. I mean, he averaged, what, 10 and a half points uh, in, for Winthrop, but it was like 17 minutes per game. So he didn't get a lot of looks. He didn't get a lot of minutes in his games. So what that shows me is that this guy, I mean, I mean, we had him on the pod. Arms can be lethal with the amount of time that he has. So him coming off of the bench, uh, there's there's like a real, we were talking about, you know, a guy who can inject some some offense. I think Adonis Arms is somebody who has proven that he would maximize the minutes that he uses. But with someone like someone like Davian Warren, who led the Big South in scoring for uh, for Hampton, like what does that mean? Like how am I supposed to understand that translation on a team like this when there's a lot better people around him? And so there's a lot of things that like it's it's we can say stuff now, but it's just all gonna fall apart when they start playing together. And I'm excited about it, but then I get my beans grilled by Albie in front of the whole world. For no reason. <laughs> For understanding what's going to happen. So uh, where I disagree with Good you, grief. Dylan, is I think Chibuzo Agbo is actually going to get a lot more playing time than we expect. Nothing but positives we've heard. We've heard nothing but positives from Agbo this whole offseason about how much he's improved, about how much better he's gotten. Uh, just he was given the Nigerian team fits, apparently, while he was out there in their training camp. Absolute fits. I just think Agbo is going to get quite a bit of those rotation minutes. And the question becomes, who do you take it from, right? Um, I, I agree with you a lot, Jeremy, when it comes to Adonis Arms. I think Adonis Arms defensively is going to be a menace. I think he's going to be an absolute menace. Because uh, of them arms. Yeah, yes, because of because of his arms. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's that's going to be part of it. <laughs> yes, Jeremy. Uh, but uh, I, no, I think he's going to be an absolute menace. And, and I think the two of them are going to be really big on the wings, especially. Right. And I think that's where they're. They are kind of be, going to be big key contributors when it comes to that court, that no middle defense because of their length, because of their athleticism. Um, unfortunately, for guys like Ethan Allen, for guys like Ethan Allen, Ethan Duncan, KJ Allen, uh, Daniel Bacho, I agree with y'all. I do not see much playing time for each of them, but luckily for them, they're all young. Where I disagree with Dylan, not just on Chibuzo Agbo. But my guy, Clarence Nadolny, I think he plays. I think he plays quite a bit because, one, he's an energizer bunny. He has energy for days. And, two, we don't have many point guards on the team. But he is one of them. He is one of them. He has taken more of a leadership role this offseason, being one of the guys that has stayed back. Mind you, he's been here the whole offseason, right? Agbo had to go off. uh, uh, Agbo was off in the Nigerian training camp. Terrence Shannon was off doing the NBA draft. The only guys that really stayed... The entire offseason was was uh, um, Kevin McCullough, Marcus Santos Silva, and Clarence Andalny. They're going to be he's going to be as just as infatuated or inundated with the coaching staff, the coaching staff style than anybody else on the team. And that's why I think Clarence Andalny plays quite a bit. I think we go. I think we go legitimately eleven deep. Clarence Andalny's been hurt all summer, and he might not even suit up for the season opener. I would tell you that I completely forgot about all that, and I wish you'd have reminded me pre-pod. So that whole rant. <laughs> Never mind, everyone. No, I'm just joking. I do like Clarence Nadalny quite a bit. I will say this. I do like Clarence Nadalny quite a bit. Um, I did completely forget about his his uh, injury issues over the offseason. Um, so that's uh, you heard me babble on about how much I like a guy for the last five minutes, and it's null and void until further notice. I do that hip surgery is a big deal. I do want to say that's that ain't nothing to take lightly. That's a that's a pretty big deal. Um, but, uh, uh, well, get well soon to Clarence Adolny, but I do think this team can go a good 10 deep with the guys that I have mentioned. 
And it just kind of shows you how deep this team really is, like you were saying before, Dylan. So with that, let's talk a little bit about, we've got kind of, we kind of, I don't want to say we've slandered them a little bit, but what is there to expect from the guys we haven't said are going to play that much? So really the Ethan Duncan, KJ Allen, uh, Daniel Bacho grouping, Austin Temperman, who just got added to the team out of nowhere. He's a walk-on from UTSA. Can we expect anything from these four guys? What do you think about those four guys? Uh, yeah, I, he also yeah, he had surgery as well, and, and I think even if he didn't have surgery, he was a project piece, right? He's the only freshman on the team. Like we're saving him for later because he's going to be a tremendous deep ball shooter. But in terms of next year, same with Bacho. I, I don't know what to expect from him. I think the question mark is KJ Allen. How does KJ Allen fit in? Because I mentioned between Bryson Williams, Santos Silva, and O'Banner. That's uh, a lot of minutes for the big guys. How does KJ Allen work his way in there? That boy KJ Allen is wide. <laughs> that is a wide man, right? That dude has a big base. Uh, and he's athletic as hell, too. He's like a little mini Zion. It's crazy. And that's the thing is that I think that he offers this physicality, like legit physicality, Um under the rim and so i i'm hoping that if there's some issues with like santos silva's not being able to block out O'Banner, like if we have these guys these big guys who have been like physical at other schools and are not being able to block out i'm hoping kj adams can be the be the character to step in there and give us a physical presence and like uh a kj allen i said adams uh, uh kj allen i'm so sorry no disrespect to this man um that he can step in there and make the difference because there are games, many games last season that we were just getting beat on the rebound. If we can have somebody to come in and just like break that momentum, would that not be an invaluable asset for, for games like those? Because we eventually lose them. Here's my hesitation with that. I think if you had both Bryson Williams and Kevin O'Banner on the floor, rebounding is not a concern. I was just Kevin O'Banner that, yeah. pretty much averaged a <laughs> double double, you know, and uh, Bryson Williams averaged seven and a half boards a game. So, hey, man, while, I'm making lemonade out I, of your lemons. <laughs> I, I love the argument to see KJ on the floor because he's a tank of a human being, but I just think given the depth, it's gonna be it's gonna be tricky for him. Yeah, I think rebounding, honestly, will be, I won't say the least of our worries. It's Texas Tech basketball, so it could very well still be a problem. But we have a lot better rebounders this year than we probably ever had. What You mentioned O'Banner, Williams. We've already talked about Santos Silva and Allen. I mean, Adonis Arms also, because of his length, is a really good rebounder. Uh, uh, Kevin McCuller, hell, he was a good rebounder himself. So, like, I, I think and the problem is that last year he was one of our best rebounders. Now he's more of a middle of the pack rebounder. And that's, that's, I think the, but, the better you know, way if your true point, if your true point can get six boards a game, you know, that's, that's rebounding. No, nope, don't matter where it comes. It's that's rebounding. Getting, getting your point, getting six rebounds a game in college is like getting 12 rebounds a game in the league. So that's, that's uh, that'd be incredible. So, yeah, but I, I definitely think that this team is very deep, very good and can go places. So, Time for predictions, everyone. How far can they go? So first things first, who is the MVP for the Texas Tech basketball team at the end of the season? Jeremy, you go first. TJ Shannon. Straight up, just like that. I think that, I just think that, you know, there's this big narrative, like Shannon had the opportunity to go to the draft. He didn't like his stock. 
I think that's given him some motivation this season to really kind of, I mean, because last season he was supposed to be like he and, you know, McClung and Kyler Edwards to an extent were supposed to be like these big, big time scoring names for Texas Tech. And Shannon kind of shrunk away from that. I mean, he had big moments, but it wasn't consistent moments. Like it wasn't enough for him to have an actual, uh, you know. And so I think that this year, I hope that he's recognized that. And that's the reason that he decided to come back and step away from the opportunity to go to the league. Um, and so I just feel like that he's going to really push himself this year. And Mark Adams is going to push him to step into the light that like everybody's putting on him. And so for, for me, it's an easy TJ Shannon. Dylan, who's your MVP? Let me preface this by saying you're asked who's you're asking who's the most valuable player on this team, not who's the most athletic, not who's going to score the most points, because the best athlete on the team is Terrence Shannon, the most athletic, the the baddest dude who's going to score the most points could very well be Kevin O'Banner. But the most valuable player to me is Kevin McCuller. I think him at the point guard is true true position. You're going to see, you're going to get all the things you got from him last season. Plus he's going to be kind of in his bag in his more natural role more. I think Kevin McCullough is the kind of guy who could sniff a triple double, you know, on a nightly basis. Uh, He's going to be a stat sheet stuffer. Not only will he get you buckets and rebounds, his assists total is going to grow this year and he's going to keep doing his thing on the defense. So yeah, give me a probably not everyone's first answer, but give me Kevin McCuller, MVP. So, I mean, you went Terrence Shannon, you went Kevin McCuller. I, I could easily go who I was probably going to be the, you know, round out the big three and say Kevin O'Banner, right? I could easily say that. He's the guy that led the team in scoring in that not-so-secret scrimmage against uh, Wichita State. He's going to be a big guy that's going to want to really increase his NBA draft stock. He's probably the most skilled and most talented player that we have on the team, including Terrence Shannon. Kevin O'Banner could easily be the person I pick here. I could go back and say, talk about how much you're right about Terrence Shannon and that Terrence Shannon just, I've been on Terrence Shannon's bandwagon for the past two years and how athletic he is. And the fact that he probably, in my opinion, should lead the team in scoring. But Dylan's absolutely right. Kevin McCullough is the most valuable player on this team. He's And I think the team goes as far as Kevin McCullough goes. Like, there's, if Kevin McCullough has an absolutely fantastic season, whoo, this team is dangerous. Very dangerous. If Kevin McCullough sucks, yikes, we're going we're gonna to be in for some long nights. And it actually reassured me seeing that a guy, uh, Kevin McCullough was, uh, apparently he put up 26 points against New Mexico State. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. That he, because one of the things that I worried about Kevin McCullough previously was, was he kind of timid in his wanting to put the ball in the basket? Was he going to be able to take that next step like we saw in some of his highlight films from high school of just attacking? 26 points and six, 26 points, six and six and six steals? That boy was attacking. That boy was absolutely attacking on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And that's another reason why he's the MVP is because he's probably he's the best. There's an argument he's the best perimeter defender in the entire conference. Mm-hmm. Give me country now that Davion Mitchell's out of the picture. In the oh, so you a wild boy, Dill. You a wild boy. I, I've been on the Kevin McCuller train for a long time, so I just got to keep rowing that boat. There you go. There you go. So uh, here's my next question for you guys: How do you see at the end of the year? Are we going to see a couple players on on some all conference? watches maybe some all-american watches what are we seeing dylan you got it 
Uh, I mean, yeah, I could see a world where, you know, three names we, we mentioned, Kevin McCuller, Terrence Shannon, Kevin O'Banner. I'd say two out of the three of them end up on some of those lists. Uh, I have a hard time believing all three of them just have monster years. If they do, then, oh boy, you know, Texas Tech is going pretty far in the dance. But yeah, I think uh, absolutely you could see Kevin McCuller, Terrence Shannon, and or Kevin O'Banner on those lists at the end of the year. What do, what do you think, Jeremy? Yeah, I also want to throw in Bryson Williams as kind of a wild card there because I just don't know where his ceiling is. You know, like with UTEP, he played extremely well. Uh, and he, I mean, he had a 23-point game against Kansas. Uh, 13 rebounds, I think. I, this, like, there's a really high upside with Williams. And like all of these athletes, uh, you know, how they ingratiate themselves on the team. Uh, it could be an incredible year, man. It, uh, it could be. So I, I'm like the 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 McCullough, Shannon and O'Banner feel like easy locks for in that conversation, but I want to like make sure that Bryson Williams is is kind of floating around that ether. And you know what? What's really interesting <laughs> to me is all the guys we had mentioned. They they were stars on their team, right? Kevin O'Banner. I, I know they had Abe Smith, but A Smith, yeah, and uh, Bryson Williams. Bryson Williams was the undisputed star in his team. So we've got, you know, three guys, including Terrence Shannon, who were the studs of their team, who now have to fit into roles, which is going to be really interesting to see how that all comes together. I mean, not just them. We've got to remember Malik Wilson and Davion Warren were studs of their team, too, right? It's not. Yep. Yeah. JJ Allen. Yeah. Davion Warren. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's true. Um, So Terrence Shannon was on the preseason all Big 12 team. Right. And so I do think that's going to carry him forward. And, and I think we're at the end of the year, we're going to see him on there as well. Kind of, in, you know, in my opinion, a little disrespect to Ben. It's it's funny. And I, I talked about this in the, in the, um, the, the big 12 preview podcast, all this love for all these Texas guys, Kevin O'Banner was the top of everybody's transfer list. And then he committed to Texas tech and was forgotten about <laughs> out of nowhere. Which is absolutely, he went from being a, you know, this guy could be in the a second round NBA draft pick. Then he committed to Texas Tech and was like, oh, yeah, that guy. I mean, he's okay, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's 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 crazy. He didn't even make honorable mention, which was a kind of a surprise to me. You know who did? Trey Mitchell. Yeah, the guy that was, you know, was kind of a nobody and then committed to Texas and all of a sudden is honorable mention, all Big 12, whatever. Uh, I'm not salty. But um, <laughs> Marcus I, Carr, same scenario. It, well, Mark... I, uh, in Marcus Carr's defense, he was like a legitimately top five transfer transfer guy. I won't I want to necessarily get too much into Marcus Carr. He's he was a beast. But um yeah, I think Kevin O'Banner is I, I think a big piece. We kind of talked about I mean Kevin McCullough, I have my feelings about Kevin McCullough, but I, sometimes I feel like his his impact isn't always shown on the stat sheet like it may be for Terrence Shannon and Kevin O'Banner. Uh but I definitely think that those two guys are the ones that we're gonna see on a on a night and night out basis. So what a uh, stats wise, what about the Texas Tech record. How many wins do we have on the season, Dylan? Uh, oh boy. I, we actually just edited about a minute of me deliberating about this uh, about this question. Um, you said 32 regular season games. Give me 24. Ooh, 24 and 8. I'm not Sheesh. even looking at anything. That was Take that with a grain <laughs> yeah. of salt because I did not come prepared for this okay, question. Okay. Mother hey, nah, man, say it with your chest. 24 and 8. All right. Jeremy, you agree with that assertion? 
Yay! I I was feeling good. It's gonna say twenty. I can see twenty wins on the schedule right now with what we don't know about this team. Uh, we're playing a lot of good teams in the non-con. Uh, we're playing, you know, we're playing a couple SEC teams. SEC is a good basketball conference. They're looking really strong this year. Uh, I think the way that the Big Twelve is stacked up, up at top, you know. One and one against those against conference. A lot of conference opponents going to be a big win for Mark Adams, but there's teams that you should be sweeping like TCU. So for me, it feels it feels like a 20 win season is a good baseline for Mark Adams to shoot for. 20 wins, I like it. I like it. Uh, I'm gonna split the difference between the two of you. I'm gonna go 22, and the main reason I think this team is gonna go about 10 and eight in conference. Right, probably gets us at about fourth in the conference if so, or so. Um, 10 and 8 in conference, which I mean, some listeners may listen to that and say, Oh man, I'll be a tripping. We're, we're way better than that. And 10 and 8 is a good baseline. Listen, I think the biggest problem for us, and I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to come into this facade that a lot of the national media does with Texas and the fact that they have a new head coach, they have a bunch of new players, and they're just like, Oh yeah, Jeff Goodman had Texas ranked number two in the entire country. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. And I'm not going to do, and, and I think Texas Tech's in the same boat. Yes, Mark Adams was here previously, but he's still the first time he's been a head coach at Texas Tech. Excuse me. Still a new head coach, still a brand new team. And this is a team that's going to have some, some struggle pains in there. So I think 10 and 8 in the conference is, is a, a fairly conservative uh, piece right there. And then give me two non-conference losses. Uh, we, we play Gonzaga out in Arizona. We're going to find out if this team's really bad about it when they go out and play Gonzaga. Because the Gonzaga team is good. Right, like, like, good. Like, if we get stomped by twenty against Gonzaga, I won't even be mad at it. They're good, um, but we'll see just how good they are. This reminds me a lot about remember a few years ago we played Duke I mean, against Zion, mm-hmm. and we're, I was over here. We we're over here thinking, ah, it's not going to look pretty, and we actually played them pretty well. We had a chance to win the game, right? Could easily be a situation. Best like loss Tech ever had. You know, after going through the schedule and looking at conference, non-conference, I would like to change my answer to Albie's answer. No, no, you don't get to do that. Uh, You don't get to do that. We're going to cut it out. It's pretty reasonable. It makes sense to me, so I'm pivoting. (laughs) 22 and 10 is where I got it. That that gives us about about a five seed in the tournament. I mean, what do do y'all think? Are we we about there? Yeah, it seems appropriate. About a five seed in the tournament. Can't Can't be mad at that. Uh, and Mark Adams' first year. I do think this is really big. This year is really huge for Mark Adams going forward. Right now, everybody attributes the success Texas Tech has had in the past four years to Chris Beard. It's all Beard's doing. There's nothing, nobody else did anything for Texas Tech but Chris Beard. The only people that think anything any different is Arn Lubbock, unfortunately, right? So all the good, it's the reason why Texas Tech, despite the roster, isn't a top 25 team. It's the reason why nobody's nobody's putting this. The reason why Terrence Shannon is the only one in our all in the All Big Twelve preseason poll. Nobody's giving Texas Tech any respect because all we, Texas Tech hasn't been this good until Chris Beard got here. The only other time we saw Texas Tech this great was in the late nineties. And you got to understand. I, I get why national media feels this way. You got to understand it, right? They don't look at it and they don't have the background of knowing that. Oh, well, Mark Adams was the reason why was the, the the jump in the defense and the first year Chris Beard wasn't here. He wasn't using the no middle defense. Mark, like, no, they don't know that. All they see is that Texas Tech was a team that had made the tournament one time in about an eight-year period before Chris Beard got there. Then Chris Beard got there, missed it his first year, and made it every year since then. He's the guy that took Texas Tech to the Elite Eight in the National Championship game. So they put all that on, te- on Chris Beard. And he's the guy, he's the reason why Texas, honestly, is ranked number two in the nation. 
because they say, if Chris Beard can do that at Texas Tech, he can do that anywhere else, right? Mark Adams, all that goodwill comes back with one successful season. I think if Mark Adams comes to, we have a really good season this year, all the goodwill from the last four or five years comes roaring back. The Jeff Goodmans of the world come roaring back. Uh, the college game. No, thank everybody, you. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like the national media comes back on, on Texas Tech's good side of, hey, those, those rowdy kids out in Lubbock, they actually, they're about something. You know what I mean? Once with one good season. If this season sucks, this season implodes, it's back to ah, we don't we don't have to worry about them. We don't have to care about Texas Tech basketball. And it's let them sleep, Albie. It's it's it's, it's I think it's a very important season. Jeremy, what are your thoughts? Well, not to mention that like the big the narrative that's going to come from this season is now that you have this these underdog this underdog team of Texas Tech that was that close to a national championship. The two main coaches that were made that happen are head coaches at different schools. So it's not only for me. It's not only what you say. No, I was going to say yes, but the the national people don't see it like that. No, I understand. What I'm saying is that if Mark Adams is doing well, if we play, if we get to Gonzaga and we haven't lost yet, that game becomes incredibly large uh, because it's going to be nationally broadcasted. Everybody's going to be watching it. Um, and no, you know, how we play or not, like, I think uh, the hope is, is that, you know, with the, not, looking at the non-con right now, it feels like very winnable games and you got three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games before you hit up Gonzaga. So you go into Gonzaga nine and zero, or if you lose one to Tennessee, but it's close in the Jimmy classic, that's still a big ticket game because you've got Texas tech. That's like got a lot of, it, it, at, at that point, point being if you're is still that, undefeated at that point, you're probably ranked. I mean, not even probably you're ranked. Right. You're ranked. Yeah. You're ranked because we're getting votes anyways. Like we're out of the 25, but we got like 17 voters saying like, yeah, Texas Tech, maybe. Yeah. So thank you. Oh, even one, you guys even, you're right. Even um, one loss would probably ranked at that point. So yeah. Right. And so what happens is that you have this. And then at that point, that's the juncture for me is like the December 18th. Mark it on your calendars. Everybody's going to start talking about Mark Adams again. And a part of that is because we're playing Gonzaga, and I expect Gonzaga to be undefeated at that point, uh, which means they will have, tar- have torn through Texas. Um, that then, then, then the narrative comes out. Oh, do you know that Mark Adams was actually coaching on that team that Chris Beard was? You're, you're oh, right. you know that no, actually right. he, that's the no middle defense. Oh, that's crazy. And then it becomes, and then it, it becomes this beautiful thing of comparing Mark Adams and Chris Beard. How are their seasons going? That's a good point. With what they that's have, a very good point. And so that, yeah, and so it's whole, the season is whack, but it is ripe for media and it's i think that december 18th game is going to be the turn and especially we get into and then you know you're a couple weeks later you're you're starting off big 12 conference play all right well so dylan is going to chew my head off for how long this podcast is going so dylan is there anything else you wanted to say to the people 54 minutes my god it'll be edited down but we'll be okay so no there's nothing i want to say to the people get us out of here people (laughs) jeremy anything else you want to say to the people no, actually, no. I, and actually, I said anything else. Uh, How far are we going? Are we going to be national championship winners? No. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> no. Runners up. <laughs> How far do we go? Don't you put that evil on us, Ricky Bobby? How- uh, you know, I'm getting out there so that the the curse is that we don't. We're either champions or we're not even runners up because that's how it works here on the tortillas and takes podcast we are for some reason bearing a curse 
Um, for me, I think it's realistic to think this is a round of 32 or a sweet 16 team um, because of like the variability, like the talent that we have, but the variability of how they work together. So if we, we bring it together and we're crushing it uh, all the way up to Big 12 and we actually play well in the Big 12, this is a team that can easily be Elite Eight because of the defensive prowess that we have at the mindset of Mark Adams, but also the amount of uh, quality scores that we have up and down the bench. Dylan, you think this so is a tournament team is what I'm saying. Oh, well, that's really sticking a leg out on a limb there, Jeremy. Uh, Dylan, do you think this is an elite eight team? I, I would say maybe that's uh, elite eight. Uh, you know, I could see a sweet 16 team, but you, you're trying to talk me into elite eight. That's that's tough to do with the to do with a first year coach with the amount of turnover that we've had. I do think this team has the talent to make it to an elite eight, but uh, there, there's a lot of factors to play into it. I mean, I, I think the biggest factor to me, I mentioned earlier, how do all these guys fit into their new roles? We got a bunch of guys who are used to being option number one. How do they fit into being option number three or maybe in KJ Allen's scenario, you know, option number seven, you know, so it hinges on how cohesive can this unit be because they're talented enough to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, Mark Adams isn't known for, you know, pissing off star players like a former head coach was. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Elite Eight, Sweet 16. I, I respect you guys, you know. Y'all, y'all drinking the Kool-Aid. I like it. you all about it. Texas Tech basketball, baby. We here. Uh, call me a little bit more pessimistic. I, like I said, I do think this is. A, I'm looking at maybe a five seed, six seed type of team. This would be a pretty good team. I'm, I, I'm nothing, nothing against them. Uh, if we make it to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, this season is absolutely a win. There is no way around it. This has been a fan. We make it to the Sweet 16. This has been a fantastic season. Shout out to Mark Adams. Shout out to everything you've done this year. You, hey, you, you, you are. Oh, we owe a lot of gratitude to you. Uh, I this that would be a great job. I don't even know if, if the Longhorns will make it to the second weekend of the season. I don't know if Baylor will make it to the second week of the season, right? Like this is that'd be a lot. I think this team. Hopefully, we don't get the twelve five upset or the or the eleven uh, six upset. Um, I see our run ending on the second game round of thirty two. Uh, just you know, I, like I said, if we get to about a five six seed, I'll be happy. I won't. You won't see much out of me. I just think it's asking a lot. Even though I do think this team is a lot very talented, is asking a lot for a brand new coaching staff, a team that's been roughly put together to come together and, and go as far as we're hoping they take us. It'd be a lot, but I'm hoping I'm wrong. So Jeremy and Dylan both said they had nothing else to say. And uh, we are, like I said, Dylan's going to cut my head off. So I got to end the pod. But like I said, this is going to be a fun year for the men's basketball team. A very fun year. Very wild and zany year, hopefully in a positive way. But I trust I trust Mark Adams. I don't think there was anybody else for the job. I think he has done an absolutely fantastic job with this coaching staff, with this team, how he's put everything together. He has it in his mind, in his mold. And this is the year that people start knowing who Mark Adams is as a coach and as a you know a recruiter, all that. He's already the recruiting aspect, he's already quenched that rumor that he can't recruit. Man can recruit, and now we're gonna learn that a man can coach. So um, just, you know, fans, let's level set a little bit. We, don't, we ain't going to the national championship. Uh, I don't even see us going to the Elite Eight. If we go to the second weekend, it'll be absolutely fantastic. So 
Uh, but it will be a fun season, and that is fantastic. So for our producer extraordinaire, that is Dylan Smythe and Jeremy Gillen. This is Albie Shore. You've been listening to Tortillas and Takes podcast, powered by Guns Up Nation. As always, stay wrecked, people. <laughs>